Hi everyone, Pastor Peter here. I just wanted to share with you our message from this past weekend, uh, from Sunday, October 11th. It was a message that was focused on Exodus chapter 32, a really familiar story, at least to some of us, the story of the the golden calf. Uh, I would say whether you're familiar with the story or not, I encourage you to go back and and read that story from Exodus 32, 1 through 17, because we don't have time to read through it today. But that's going to be the focus of our time together. Uh, before we really jump into the reading itself, though, I, I, I was thinking, because of this reading, that, that there are certain keys to, to long-lasting, successful relationships, right? Certain things you need to do, habits you need to form, perspectives you need to have in, in order to have a successful relationship, whether that's with a spouse or a child or a friend or, or a sibling. And, and one of the keys, I think, to any sort of successful long-term relationship Uh, is being able to accept the other person as they are, right? Not trying to make someone into who you want them to be, but accepting them as the person that they are. I I think, I think when we, when we don't do that, that is when we, when we try to manipulate or make someone into something that they're not, into who we want them to be, that causes all sorts of conflict, right? All sorts of resentment, all sorts of anger. It's probably one of like the, the primary causes of fractured relationships. Uh, I think uh, probably an easy example of this, something that I think that we've all seen or that we can relate to, is when parents, certain parents, try to, to force their child to be the sports star that either they always wanted to be but never were or that they just want their child to be, right? And so they sign their kids up for all sorts of basketball and baseball and golf. And, and I mean, their kids just want to read a book and stay inside and draw a picture. But, but they want their child to be something or someone that they're, they're not. And you've seen how this causes conflict, right? How it leads to anger on, on the part of the child and resentment, probably tension within, uh, within that relationship. Uh, it's important, it's, it's key to every sort of successful long-term relationship to, to be able to accept the other person as they are. Uh, a friend of mine was, was recently uh, telling me about how they came to learn this lesson and how it took some time, but they're sure glad that they learned it. You see, uh, this friend, their, their dad is, and as long as they can remember, always has been a drug addict. It's just always been who, who their dad is. And as you can imagine, this has caused all sorts of problems in the relationship. Uh, th- this friend relayed how they even have memories, going back to when they were four or five years old, of their dad taking them to crack houses and, in order to get drugs. And this has caused a lot of problems, again, as, as you can imagine. Um, as, a, as a friend told me, he, he, he has spent a lot of time trying to make his dad into the dad that he felt like he needed, the, the dad that he felt like he wanted, the, the dad that he felt like all of his other friends had, right, but that he was lacking. And, and this relationship was, was nothing. It was nothing good, at least. It was lots of angry arguments and resentment and bitterness. And then one day, this, this friend said he was talking to a pastor friend of his. And after listening to this anger on the part of my friend, just being poured out towards his father. This pastor friend said to him, you know, you know, you're never going to have a relationship with your dad, at least not a healthy one, until you learn to accept that he's a drug addict. And until you try, until you stop trying 
to make him something that he's not, someone that he's not. And that doesn't mean that you can't want the best for him or you can't continue to pray for him or you can't be there when he, he needs to talk, but it means you need to accept him as he is, not as, as the dad that you want him to be or that you think that he should be. And my friend said, well, that was a hard process to go through. Now that he's there, now that he has learned to accept his dad as he is, there's actually a relationship. That for the first time, they're, they're talking over coffee and giving each other hugs and laughing about things my, my, my friend said he never thought he'd be laughing about with his dad. It's so important to learn to accept people if we want a relationship with them as they are, not as we want them to be. I, I think this even goes, as we'll talk a lot more about uh, in, in this message, uh, this even applies to God. Right? We need to learn to accept God as he is, not as, as the God that we want him to be. Uh, this is true for us. It was also true of the Israelites. Uh, so if, if you are able to, to go read Exodus 32, you'll read the, the, the story of the golden calf. If you were able to flip a few pages earlier and read through some of the context, what you'll see is, is that God has recently pulled his people out of slavery in Egypt and, and rescued from that, that place, and he's brought them into the wilderness, into the desert. And they're getting ready, uh, eventually, to make their way into the promised land. But while they, they walk around there in the wilderness, God is, is reaffirming his promises and his covenants with his people. You might remember that God had promised way back when in Abraham to bless Abraham, to make him into a, a mighty nation, uh, that, that he would have many offspring. And that's slowly coming to fruition. Uh, that family, that, that nation is here and the people of Israel. And, and God is reaffirming to them that the promise he made with Abraham, he's not going to give up now. He's going to continue to unite himself to them and, and be committed to them and, and bless them and bless the world through them. And uh, uh, just recently, God has, has spoken to Moses from up top on, on high in the mountain, giving him all of these instructions for what this relationship is between the two of them, between God and the Israelites, is, is meant to look like. And God has taken those instructions and brought them down to the people of Israel. And in Exodus 24, there's this beautiful scene. It's almost like a wedding ceremony playing out where, where both sides have made their vows, have said what they're going to do. And, and the people have told God, yeah, we're in it. We're, we're going to follow you. We'll do what you say. And, and God has, has reaffirmed his commitment to them. that They're united together like a husband and a wife. God is the groom, his people are the bride, and entering into this eternal relationship, it's a beautiful scene. Almost as soon as it's over, though, Moses goes back up the mountain to talk to God, to get some, some final instructions. Turns out that he goes up there for a really long time. Forty days, Moses goes up on this mountain. And, and for Moses, it had to be an amazing experience, right? Life-changing experience. I mean, 40 days talking with God. I can only imagine the things they, they talked about and what that must have been like. It had to have been wonderful for Moses. Not so wonderful for all the rest of the people who were standing at the bottom of the mountain wondering what in the world is going on, right? They came into this marriage thinking that their spouse was going to be there with them and, and for them. And, and suddenly God is, is absent. He's, he's distant. He's, he's nowhere to be found. He's not doing the kinds of things that the people expected him or, or looked for him or wanted him to do. They wanted him uh, to, to bring them mightily, conquering their enemies into the promised land. And, and he's doing none of that. He's, he's not acting like all of the other gods of all of the other nations who, who seemed, at least in their eyes, to be so powerful and, and so strong. Uh, God isn't who they thought he was. 
And so, uh, as they wait for Moses to come down, they become impatient. And they ask for Aaron, who is the, the chief priest of the people, the one who goes to God on their behalf, the, the chief spiritual leader. They ask Aaron to, to make them a god, to, to fashion some sort of idol that they can see and touch with their, with their hands. And so Moses does. He, he, I mean, Aaron does. He, he listens. He, he asks them to take their, their gold jewelry, uh, jewelry, as we'll see, was, was meant to be saved to adorn and decorate the tabernacle, God's dwelling place. Instead, Aaron has it confiscated and used to make this golden calf that the people will bow down to. And they do. They, they bow down to it. They worship it. They, they party all around it. Now, there's one important thing that needs to be pointed out about this golden calf. And something that I did not realize um, until actually quite recently. And, and that is that the people of Israel were not, in, in making this golden calf, they were not making up some brand new God. Right? Instead, what they were doing was, was making God into their own image. You see, they even call this golden calf, they, they refer to it as the one who drew them out of Egypt. Uh, Aaron will refer to it as Yahweh, which is the Old Testament name of God. You see, God, Yahweh, wasn't acting how they wanted him to act. He wasn't who they wanted him to be. And so instead they tried to manipulate him or make him uh, into their image. They, they formed this golden calf because that's what the other gods had of the other nations. That's what all the other peoples had, were, were golden calves gods. And these golden calves were a common way to represent God. They, they stood for fertility and strength and that's what they wanted their God to be. And so they make God into their own image. It's like, God, it's taking too long. And they're like, we got to get going, right? Let's get to work, God. And, and so they create God. They, 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 they put him into a form that they can wrap their minds around, that they can manipulate to their own whims. They haven't learned to accept God as he is. And so they try to make him into something that he's not. Uh, this is important to me. That, that was an important uh, aspect of the story to, to remember. Because for me, for a long time, this story didn't seem to apply to me. Because I thought to myself, I, I'm not going around making up new gods out of thin air, right? I, I don't have a bunch of golden calves in, in my home. But what I have done is exactly what the Israelites actually did, right? I have tried to make God into something that he's not. I have gone to him in, in worship, expecting him to just affirm me in all that I've done, to fill me with warm, fuzzy, good feelings, right? I have gone to the scriptures looking for a God who will tell me that, that I'm, I'm good as I am and, and that I, I don't need to change at all. I have gone to God in prayer, expecting that when I say jump, he'll say how high, expecting that when I ask him to do something, he'll do it right then and, and there. I have looked to make God into someone that he's not, just like the Israelites. And as you can imagine, then when, when God doesn't act like I want him to, it creates all sorts of conflict on, on, on my end, right? I, I get angry and upset that God isn't acting or giving me what I want. He's not blessing me in the ways I want to be, be blessed. I get confused and, and sad, right? Because I haven't learned to accept God as he is rather than as I want him to be. And, and when... And, and when we don't accept God as he is, right, this, this is one of the most disastrous things to any relationship, including our relationship with God. And, and so I think the point of this story, what, what God is leading us to, is in, in a sense he's holding up a mirror, isn't he? And as we look at the Israelites, we're, we're meant to see ourselves in it. But he doesn't just leave us there in that sin. He, he, he tells this story in order to lead us to faith. 
Because when you accept God as he is, that's what faith is, right? It's trusting in him. And a God that might not always make sense to us. It might be a, 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 a God that we might not look for or create if we are the ones creating God. But, but accepting God as he is and trusting him as he meets us. Receiving the gifts that he has for us rather than the gifts we want. That's what faith is. He's calling us to a life of faith as is so much of the Bible. And then he's showing us that, that the kind of God that he is is exactly the God that we need. See, one of the things that the story does is it highlights some of the amazing qualities and characteristics of God, right? Uh, so if we read the story, and I hope that you do, one of the things that God does is he listens. Uh, as the story goes, um, Moses and, and God are up there on the mountain talking, and God sees what the people are doing at the bottom, that they've created this golden calf, and he's not happy, right? And uh, he says that he's going to wipe out these people. He's just done with them. He's, he's put up with a lot. He's He's reached the breaking point, though, and, and so he says he's going to cancel the covenant made to Abraham. He's going to wipe out that family, and he actually says something amazing, that he's going to start it all over with Moses. It's going to be a new covenant made, where, where Moses now will be the father of a great nation. And, and to Moses' credit, he's like, no, 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 God, that's not what I'm looking for. And Moses goes on to plead on behalf of the Israelites to, to make their case, to say, Lord, don't give up on them. Remain faithful. And God does. God listens to the prayers and the pleading of Moses and to us. Now, we can't deny that, that God gets angry in the story because he does. And, and for some of us, it's not a picture of God we like to think about. We like to think of the warm, fuzzy God, the nice God, the kind God, the always forgiving God. And can't deny it here, God gets, gets angry. He, he gets upset. But I, I think that speaks to the, the deep, personal, intimate abiding nature of his relationship with his people. Right? Because if, if you were in a relationship with someone that you really cared about, that was really important to you, and they just completely let you down and take advantage of you, it would only be natural to be upset. In fact, if you weren't upset, that would probably show that you didn't care all that much or you weren't that invested or that they weren't that important to you. But, but the fact that we are so important to God that, that when we let him down, he, he does naturally get angry. Now, uh, in, in the ancient world, people expected their gods to be angry. And, in fact, it was like one of their defining characteristics of the gods of all the nations. Gods were angry beings. They were always upset at their people. And, and this anger oftentimes was like out of control. Their gods were always kind of seeing red, upset at, at people and, and, and lashing out in anger. And so the fact that God gets angry wouldn't have been surprising to anyone in the ancient world. What's unique about our God, though, is that he'll tell us in a few chapters that he's slow to anger. And, and today, while he gets angry, he doesn't lash out in anger. He's not seeing red. His anger isn't out of control. He gets angry, but he shows mercy. He gets angry because he cares about these people too, so deeply and, and yet he, he relents in his anger and he doesn't give them what they deserve. Instead, he continues to preserve them and, and love them and walk with them. He will remain faithful. God's faithfulness is, is what is shining forth in this story that despite the people's sin, the, despite the fact that they have tried to manipulate him and make him into something that he's not, God remains faithful to them. That the promise that he made all the way back to Abraham, that the covenant that was reaffirmed in Exodus 24 in that wedding ceremony, that the God remains faithful to that 
that he will continue to walk with his people, fighting for his people, loving his people. Uh, the, the faithfulness of God shines forth, shines forth in this story. It also shines forth to us in Jesus. Because, you know, this wasn't a one-time occurrence, this golden calf. God's people, as we know, as we look in the mirror, is something that continues to happen. And, and God knew that, that something needed to change, that, that there needed to be an answer once and for all. And so that's why Jesus came, to prove God's faithfulness, to, to bring us into that, that eternal covenant, that we might be wedded to God for all eternity. So Jesus came because of this, the sin of the people and because of God's steadfast faithfulness to us. God entered into this world to live and to die and to rise because he was never, ever going to give up on his people, including you. See, Jesus then is, is, is like that friend that keeps on calling. Uh, even though we haven't returned their texts and even though every time we're supposed to get together, we... We cancel at the last minute because something better has come up. Jesus is that faithful friend who is always there for us. Uh, Jesus is, is that faithful brother who even though we've picked on him and called him names and haven't invited him to come out and play, that, that he's always there to sit and listen to us. Uh, Jesus is that faithful business partner who even though we've been negligent in the business and haven't lived up to our end of the bargain, continues to pour himself into the work and, and the good of the, the, the business. A Jesus is that faithful spouse who even through adultery and affairs remains committed to his partner through thick and thin, for, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health. Jesus is the very embodiment of God's faithfulness, the proof that God will never give up on us. And he calls us, he invites us now to put our faith in him, proving that he is trustworthy. That Jesus is, is the one who calls us to accept him as the humble and yet powerful Savior he is, knowing that he accepts us as we are. It doesn't mean he doesn't want us to change from our sin or repent from our ways, but those things aren't a prerequisite for his faithful love. Jesus is the one today who says, love me as I am, because who I am is exactly what you need. A God who listens, a God who cares, a God who shows mercy, a God who is faithful to the end. In Jesus' name.